0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are in a new phase of the pandemic. That's what Chicago's top Dr. Allison Arwady said last week. And in some ways, it kind of feels that way. Hospital admissions are lower than February peaks. You can now go to a restaurant without showing a vaccine card. And today, students at Chicago public schools can choose to unmask. But long COVID, that's still a reality for many people. And the stealth Omicron variant, B two BA2, that's spreading rapidly through China. So let's get into all of this with an expert. Joining us is Dr. Mia Taramina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Hi, Dr. Taramina. Great to have you back. Hey, Sasha. Good to talk to you. I want to start with that global news. China is shutting down its borders because of that new stealth Omicron variant. How worried should we be about BA2?
1: you know I'm- when Omicron was first identified back in November, there were already several different strains of it the predominant and BA1 strain, there's a BA1.1 strain, and the BA2 strain. They've sort of all been around this entire time, but overwhelmingly predominant in the U.S. has been the BA1 strain. Um, we're looking at about 10 or 11 percent of all the cases in the U.S. at this point being genetically sequenced showing BA2, um, but it does have the ability to. To outcompete a little bit of uh, the, the BA1 strain and potentially become predominant here in the US as time moves on, as it has not only in China, but in many, many other countries. Um, it'll be interesting to see if it, if it does anything more than slow our decline. I don't necessarily expect a dramatic uptick in cases because of BA2, but I do suspect it will become more
0: common. Dr. Ngazi Ezeke is stepping down after three years as director of the Illinois Department of Public Health. What is your reaction to that news?
1: You know, I can only imagine that, uh, you know, being a a leader in this pandemic, um, all of us need a time to reflect, refocus, um, and redirect, you know, sort of our next phase of our careers. Um, She did a tremendous job over the last three years, and I can only imagine that that came with a tremendous amount of stress as well. So I I am very thankful for all of her leadership during this time, and I certainly wish her well as she moves on to the next phase of her career and leaves room for um, other individuals to kind of step into the role as well and lend their energy to uh, the end of this pandemic in the future.
0: All right, let's talk about masking. The the CDC released a report that found that schools in Arkansas that used masks had 23% less COVID infections than schools that didn't mask. How should this report impact our approach to school masking?
1: You know, a lot of these uh, data that come out of um, the school mask mandates definitely are looking back at a time where Delta and Omicron were circulating a little more readily. Our numbers are down uh, quite significantly, and we've now had substantial time to have our five and ups uh, to be vaccinated and have that additional layer of protection as well taking into account more widespread circulation of virus during the peak times and during the times of high infectivity community-wide with lots of community transmission. I have no doubt in my mind that universal masking is an absolute critical step in keeping our kids safe in school um, and not having to miss a lot of classes due to illness or quarantine. So I find it not surprising at all that there is an impact of universal masking in schools, especially when we have widespread circulation in the community of these viruses.
0: And, you know, in in public places, some people still just don't want to take their masks off. So, So remind us, doctor, how much protection do people actually get if they're wearing a mask, but everyone around them isn't? Sure. You know, uh,
1: if they're wearing a mask and um, they're in an outdoor setting, that's obviously going to be less risk than an indoor setting. And a crowded indoor setting is going to be the greatest risk scenario. So if you truly desire to give yourself the most protection you can in a crowded indoor space, the mask you're wearing should be a well-fitted N95 or KN95 mask. By definition, that 95 means that it's filtering out about 95% of particles that would otherwise be entering your lungs, essentially. So that's going to afford you as the wearer the best layer of protection. Uh, There are certainly a number of people that that simply feel more comfortable wearing any type of face covering in a crowded public space. I don't know that a cloth mask or simple surgical mask is going to afford that much protection to you as the wearer in those environments. Now, if it happens to be an environment still where everyone is wearing even a simple face mask... That would be a step above then because universal masking is going to be uh, the safest scenario as well.
0: Buses, trains and planes, they still require masks. Does, does transit pose a greater risk than indoor spaces? You know-
1: by definition, when we think about all these transit spaces, they are just highly crowded. So we've removed yet another mitigation strategy, which is going to be uh, the ability to keep a social distance. It's just not possible. So even in the context of a significant number of people being vaccinated and having antibodies, at least for the time being, and as we all know, they've extended that federal guideline until at least April 18th. And I truly believe, uh, make no mistake, that's to kind of cover uh, a peak track season through all these spring breaks happening in the weeks to come and over the Easter Passover holidays. So once we get past that, if we can maintain a low level of community transmission, if BA2 or other variants uh, don't end up causing surges more so than just little little waves that we're seeing in the community, then I think that we are going to see a relaxation on public transportation uh, in another month or so as well if things
0: continue on this trend. Let's switch gears, doctor. I want to play you a call that we got this morning from a listener, uh, Kathy in Park Ridge.
1: I'm wondering if the doctor can tell us anything about the therapeutic Evusheld. I understand it's sort of prophylactic instead of vaccines for people who are immunocompromised. Can you tell me if it's available in Illinois and what the known side effects are?
0: What can you say about Evusheld? Dr.
1: Hey, Kathy, that's a great question. Yes, EvU Shell does have emergency use authorization as pre exposure prophylaxis against coronavirus. So essentially, this is for folks that are immune suppressed and not likely to generate as robust of an antibody response to the vaccines. Uh, The rare individuals that cannot be vaccinated for a medical or other reason, um, you know, and individuals that maybe um, just have some significant health issues moving forward. What happens is this is an intramuscular injection. It's Two doses or two shots given on the same day, and that works as a monoclonal antibody similar to the intravenous monoclonal antibodies we give after somebody's infected. And this pre exposure monoclonal antibody should maintain levels in your system for around six months, so sort of six months of additional passive protection. Um, Recently, the dosing changed from 150 to 300 milligrams because it was found that the higher dose will give better protection against Omicron. It is available in Illinois. Uh, You might have to do a little bit of legwork. So if you happen to be immune suppressed, definitely start by talking to your oncologist, rheumatologist, GI specialist, or anyone that's taking care of your immunosuppressive medications and treatments to see if they have an avenue, be it a hospital site or a private practice site that may have a supply of shelves to go ahead and administer that.
0: And briefly, Doctor, where are we with vaccination in Illinois? In Illinois, we've got about 67%
1: of our state fully vaccinated at this point, and, and somewhere around, I believe, 78% or so that have had at least one dose of vaccine given. But when we take it in the context of Omicron having been so widespread, there are some estimates, especially in the city of Chicago, that up to 90% of everybody in the city of Chicago has some level of antibody, be it from uh, infection that they knew about, infection they may not have known about, or the vaccines that they have received as they should have on schedule. So right now we are walking amongst that herd immunity feel for at least some time here.
0: Tell us what we know about the new Deltacron variant. What are the symptoms for that yeah. one?
1: So the symptoms are going to be similar. Essentially what happens when we have a a mutation that happens and it it becomes a recombinant. So we have like a recombination of genes. The way this occurs is when someone is infected with both Delta and Omicron strains simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And those two viruses sort of mix in the system and we end up with this combination virus that kind of has uh, the center or body part of the Delta virus and the spike proteins of the omicron virus so symptom wise it should present very similarly perhaps with fevers some shortness of breath uh, fatigue flu-like symptoms and it doesn't appear at this moment that it's something that is uh, even anything more than a variant of interest that we're keeping our eyes on we've okay. only seen a handful of cases so um, and you know as it comes with any variant time needs to occur to see how our therapeutics will work against it.
0: Yeah. Just about 20 seconds, doctor, your guidance at this point for for folks who are exposed to covid, should they quarantine?
1: On a case-by-case basis, if you're going to be somebody that is in a household with folks that are actively contagious, at the very least, you should be a very diligent mask wearer while you're observing yourself for any symptoms. Use those free government tests, um, you know, right away if you're having symptoms or three to five days after a high-risk exposure as an additional layer of security, Mm -hmm. but still be watching for symptoms for about 10 to 14 days.
0: That's infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Taramina. Doctor, thanks so much. Have a good week. Thanks, you too. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WVEZ Reset, wherever you listen.